Welcome to Young and Adulting, a podcast of the Young Adults community at Christ Fellowship Church. Our hope is to create a safe place for authentic conversation around the ins and outs of life as we all try to navigate following Jesus in the world we live in today. Thanks for joining us and welcome to the conversation. Welcome back to another episode of Young and Adulting. This is going to be a special day. Uh, my name is Tyler. I'm here with the team, here with Carissa, Ricky, Amanda. We just kicked off a two-week talk, two-week conversation called You Can't Urban Dictionary This. And so we're going to have some fun conversation today. I think of when I think of Urban Dictionary, I think of being around the lunch table in high school and not understanding a single thing that my friends were talking about. And they're like, oh, you got to Urban Dictionary this. And it was kind of regrettable. But it was, it was kind of that like exclusive language. And so we're going to talk about some of the churchy language that we use and come to some of the insider language and honestly uh, kind of have some fun with this one. But Carissa, hit us off. What's, what's some things that we say here? Yeah, you know, I didn't grow up in church. And so I started coming to church uh, late in high school and my family is not a Christian. We didn't do the church thing growing up. And so a lot of things we said and did which is kind of weird to me. Like, it, they didn't make sense. I just kind of knew everybody did it. Everybody said it. So I did it too. And, and, and I said these things too. One of those things was amen. Amen. I'm like, everybody, that's like part of everyone's prayer scripts, you know? Like, yeah. everybody said it. You know, it's like, you say, God, you know, thank you for this food. Amen. And I just knew it was part of, part of how you pray. But I didn't really know what amen meant. Um, but you know, now later on in life, um, I, I figured out amen is, is not just part of the script of prayer, right? Amen actually means something. Yeah. In fact, amen's like an affirmation of, of the truth of what you just spoke. Mm-hmm. And, and it actually means it is so, or so be it. And so when you say amen, you're actually saying something, right? You're like putting the exclamation point on a, on a prayer saying it's true or, it, or let it be so. Yeah, which is, I'd say it's pretty powerful. Um, whatever prayer that you're praying, you, it's this final uh, send-off to the Lord, like, God, let it be so. And even in the, in the Bible, the very last word in the Bible, I don't know if you guys know this, is amen. What? That's it. At the end of Revelation <laughs> is amen. So let it be. Let the word of God be. Yeah, I love that. Another thing, that's, what, that's like a weird thing we say. But there's some weird things we do, right? Like from the outside, there are some things that we do that just look kind of crazy. And one of those things that um, when I first started coming to church, I noticed people were like lifting their hands in worship, right? You got like some people with their hands all the way up, right? You got some people with their hands like holding a serving tray, you know, like hands out in the middle. You got some people that don't do anything, right? They just kind of stand there and you're like, do you like this song? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, like, as I started realizing, you know, this is something people do, like church people do. Um, so I think that's one of the things we do that's kind of weird. And so if you're wondering why we lift our hands in worship, it's okay, because I've wondered that too. <laughs> um, you know, lifting your hands in worship is, um, it's not a requirement for worship, right? Like it's not something you have to do, but it's a, a response that we see all throughout scripture. God's people responding in, in prayer and worship to the word of God and, um, and to their love for God and God's faithfulness. It's all through the Psalms, but all throughout the Bible. In fact, um, people say this all the time, like lifting your hands is a universal sign of surrender, right? If like somebody yeah. was holding a gun to you, what would you do? You like put your hands up, like, no, don't shoot me. <laughs> God's not gonna shoot you. So that's probably not a good example at all. But it's like surrendering, saying like, you know, everything I have is yours or, or like, 
God, you know, I'm all yours. My life is your, amen. (laughs) So be it, so be it. Um, but, but what I love is it's not a requirement, but it is, it is, um, an act of worship to raise your hands in, in response to to God's goodness and, and just saying like, I surrender my life to you, God. So it looks weird, but it's actually, it's a powerful symbol of our worship to God. Yeah. Like the, uh, a physical representation of what is going on in your heart and your spirit, like through singing or. I mean, you'd want to talk super weird. I went to a church uh, growing up where at the front they had these buckets with flags in them. And my first few times I had no idea why these flags were there until one day these people went up and started waving the flags during worship. And, and that's beautiful. I think these physical representations of what's going on in our spirit are, are bring, bring a smile to, the, to God's face knowing that we are in, taking actions in our, in our worship. I love it. Well, which are you guys in, in worship? Let's let's talk about it for a second. Uh, you're in church this Sunday, and and the 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 worship team is just sounding beautiful. You're feeling like God's in the room, and uh, you start to raise your hands. Do you go? Do you start low and 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 build through each song by song through your high? Like where where's where's your landing spot? What's your what's your stance? I know Amanda. She's all in. <laughs> Yeah, let's I see, because people are watching on YouTube. Like, so that's so funny. Let's let's show them. <laughs> I I definitely go pretty much all in. Sometimes it depends on like where I'm sitting, front row. I've got more like room. Okay. And so like if I can lay down, I'm gonna lay down. Like if I can raise my hands, I'm gonna do whatever kind of feels right, you know. Um, but if I'm like next to somebody, I don't want to be a weirdo, and it's okay. Like to to be mindful of the people on my left and my right, so I'm probably gonna do little frisbees, like little frisbees. <laughs> We're gonna name them, kind of near my body, just like a moderate middle, just nothing too crazy. You gotta then, play it safe because you don't want to accidentally hit somebody next to you when your arms happened. are up too high. You know, oh, we both decided gosh. to throw our hands up and gave a high five in the air, and we were both yeah. like, we both decided not to acknowledge <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're just like, no, press in, press in, oh, press. Man. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, man. Well, y'all are left. What? What's your what's your position? I typically wait for the chorus. And oh, it's like one, <laughs> two, three. I can see the light. That's, wow, there that's we the go. moment it goes up. And then I look around the room and watch everyone follow. And it's wow. like you can count down hands going up in three, two, one. I can see the yep, yeah. that's, that's where it happens. That's good. But normally I'm I'm kind of relaxed in worship. Like I'm 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 pretty self-reflective and I don't like what what people when people are dancing and waving their arms and everything, I'm doing that on the inside. Uh, that's I'm yeah. I respect that, Ricky. I respect that about you. Yeah, you know, like I was a dancer growing up, so uh, so you gotta you gotta Where can we see those videos? go with the beat. You can't, you can't, you can't see the videos. But um, yeah, I would I would go with what Ricky said. Like I gotta wait for the moment. The bridge usually hits real real different. Um, but but I don't know if a Maverick City song comes on, you know, my hands are gonna be up in the air. I'll be like immediately first go. chord. I'm like go. <laughs> That's, good. That's so good. That's so good. Well, that's some things we do that are kind of interesting and strange. What are, Ricky, talk for a moment. What are some other things that maybe we say that we just don't realize we say that have consequences and impact that people are going, what, what do I do with that? You know? Yeah. One of the things I was thinking of, if you if you are new to church or haven't been around very long, you walk in and you listen to the pastor or the teacher and they, they say the phrase, God told me, God told me this. Or it varies, like, or I feel like God is pressing on my heart. I feel like God is telling me this. You think, 
Uh, okay, all right, that's interesting. God speaks directly to you. And, and in another sense, you might hear someone else in a completely different context say something like, God gave me a sign. And what's really unfortunate is that usually fo- what follows that is to break up with you. <laughs> like That's like the you've ever, if so you've ever true. had someone come up to you and say, your, your significant other, hey, God is telling me it's over. And it gave me a sign that, that we shouldn't be together. So the, the ideas of God telling me this or uh, God has told me this or God gave me a sign. Uh, if, you, if you haven't been around church very long, you may think that's kind of strange. Um, do you get to talk specific? Like, do you have God on speed dial? Do you just like 772 God and then you just get to talk to him right before you go up and listen to the sermon? Uh, and and I would say, let's let's kind of level this. Of course, yes, God does speak to people. Uh, and I think it, it all comes down to that idea of, does God speak to people? Right here, right now, can you talk to God? And I would say, yes, yes, you can. Um, but we need to be pretty careful about that because uh, God does speak, but he speaks through his word. Um, and he speaks through uh, the ultimate authority, which is his written word in, in the Bible. I'm sure most people might have one of these. He, he, he's got uh, his written word in here, the revelation of who he is, what he wants to do um, in your life, in my life, it, it's all in here. But for the things that maybe aren't in here, um, where do we go at that point? What do we say? What do we, what do we do with God pressing on our hearts to say and do certain things? And uh, I, have, I have some what... I just want to say, this is not a settled topic. There's a lot of different varying perspectives on how God speaks to you or how God speaks to us. Some people would say he does not speak anymore. He's spoken through his word and that's it. But uh, I would, of course, fall in a different camp other than outside of that. And so um, so how does God speak? How, how does he speak to us? And when someone says, God has spoken to me, what do we do at that moment? Well, I would go to 1 Thessalonians 5, um, which, if I can go to there, 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 19 through 20. It says this, uh, Do not stifle the Holy Spirit, do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said, hold on to what is good, stay away from every kind of evil. Um, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies. What Paul is saying is the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. He's going to speak through his word and he's going to impress on, uh, on your heart. He's going to speak to you. And so don't, uh, when someone says, God told me this, don't be like, no, he didn't. Like, no, don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Listen, be attentive. Don't immediately attack someone with, with cynicism. Uh, listen and know that, yes, the Holy Spirit is going to speak. Um, but he also says, uh, but test everything that is said, hold on to what is good, stay away from every kind of evil. And in the short, uh, and to end this and kind of short, because I actually would love to hear Amanda's thought, thoughts on this. Um, uh, test everything that is said, hold on to what is good, stay away from, it, uh, from every kind of evil. Uh, when someone says, hey, God has pressed on me to tell you this, uh, I think it's appropriate to test what is said. For instance, I've got two specific situations in my life. One, I was at a coffee shop one time and talking theology with a friend of mine. And uh, this girl walks up to us and, and says, hey, I hear you guys are talking about God. I just want to, literally it was like, I just want to prophesy over you. 
And I was like, oh, sweet. Yeah, cool. Um, and cause I, I love that stuff. And so she, she says, Hey, I, I, I believe that God is saying that you are going to have a massive career change this year and you're going to step into something that's new, step into something that's exciting, but, uh, challenging. And I thought, okay, well, I mean, scripture in scripture, people are often called out to do these things. So I don't need to doubt uh, that I can, I can embrace that word, uh, that word. Um, and there was absolutely no career change that year. So what do I do with that? What do I do with that? And there was another instance when I was in high school where uh, a youth leader, a student pastor was told me, hey, Ricky, I believe that God wants you to know that you have a calling of ministry on your life. And I, I was like, sweet, okay. And kind of forgot about that. And here I am. And so two different kind of words or prophecies, messages from God, one seeming to be totally bogus and the other coming to fruition. What do we do when people say, God told me? What do you think, Amanda? I, I would really love to hear your thoughts on this. I think you got a lot of great things to say. I think uh, you kind of already said it. Those keywords for me was um, test everything and then hold on to what is good. When we take a test, there's always um, an answer sheet. <laughs> and so we don't just test things by trying them out. I don't think it's saying take whatever people say and try it out. And if it doesn't work, merp. I think what <laughs> it's merp, actually merp. saying <laughs> is before you even implement this into your life, Look at it in scripture, see how it's fleshed out through the person and character of God, through what we know of his purposes for us. And if it tends to fall in alignment, wait, see how it plays out. But if it isn't, then it's not good. Don't hold on to it. And so I think that it, it kind of gives us some parameters in scripture that testing what is said looks like applying it to scripture. Like you put it up to the answer sheet to see if it's in alignment um, and you also hold on to whatever parts have truth. And if it doesn't, then you don't really have to put it on your board and keep track of it throughout the next couple of years to see if it comes to fruition. You can probably let it go. Right. Yeah. You know, Ricky, I think it's really interesting that you said, like, you remember those two specific instances when Mm -hmm. somebody said, like, I've got a word from God Mm -hmm. for you. Like, those are moments in your life that you really don't forget, whether they're true or not. They seem significant. And so I would say, like, if you're someone that uses that phrase casually, mm-hmm. we got to be careful, Very, right? right? Like right, right. we yes. have to be so careful with that. Like you made a mm-hmm. joke about maybe somebody breaking up and using that excuse. I've heard, you know, many young adults like say like, you know, God told me, you know, this relationship, you know, we got to, we got to break up. God told me I got to break up with you. And, and often the person on the other side of that relationship is like, oh, is God on your side? You know, like, (laughs) oh, why would God tell you and not me? Like, there's a lot of consequences that come with that if we use it as like a silly excuse, you know, and and we got to be careful. There's the commandment, one of the 10 commandments that you shouldn't take the Lord's name in vain. uh, What that is essentially talking about is you don't say that God said something that he didn't. You don't use his name casually. And so if you tell someone something uh, that God uh, God is telling me this and and, and to tell you this and it doesn't happen, you just use the Lord's name in vain. Mm -hmm. And so I I would absolutely caution anyone from saying something unless you you feel, um, and I would even caution people against following your feelings all the time. But if it, if it is, if it stacks up against the, the answer sheet, if it, if it is in alignment with his word, then, then yes. But we take that with such reverence that you should never use it casually. Yeah, it's true. But we also, on the other side, 
we do want to be obedient, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> so right, we do right. want to be obedient to speak and prophesy the mm-hmm. words that we feel like God's speaking to us. So I think I think there's a tension there to manage, right? Yeah. It's like this tension of, of being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and knowing like God is speaking to me and and this is this is something I have to navigate carefully. Right. Um, so we got to be obedient. But we also don't want to use the Lord's name in vain. So this is this is something we really have to get close to God and know how to how to discern His voice in our life. Yeah, let's stay there. What you just said, uh, discern His voice. I think of two thoughts, like the need for discernment and then counsel. Yeah, so like, right. That's let, good. If y'all want to talk about that for a moment, because like when when you're, you're feeling like the Lord is speaking to you something, you know, I've, I've talked with some young people who are like, I'm feeling like God told me this, and I'm going to go do it, and it's like, you know, it's it's so quick that maybe if they just had slow feet. Mm-hmm you know, and kind of filtered yeah. it through some other voices, mm-hmm. there'd be different consequences. You I think to- in the immediate, that's okay. Say I'm in Walmart and I just all of a sudden feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, go talk to that person. I don't need to call up my pastor and be like, hey, I just feel like, can you give me some, he would say, no, go right now before they check out, go. However, on, in the big things of life, there, you have structures of authority for reasons. So of course, our ultimate authority is scripture. And then you've got the leadership uh, uh, of your, your pastor, those, uh, those above you. And then you've got your community around you. And for the big decisions of life, you don't want to just usurp all of them and make your own decisions. You, you want to follow the structure of authority to make sure that the calling or the, the, the feeling that God is telling you to do something um, is actually affirmed in scripture and the authority um, of those above you and around you. Yeah. And I, I also like how you emphasize discernment and counsel. And there's two descriptors like discernment in itself is wise because it cuts between what obviously looks right and wrong. Um, and so discernment is it's that advantage that the Holy Spirit gives us perspective of stuff that the naked eye would perceive as this is right, this is wrong. No, discernment cuts past that. And then counsel, we could even add wise counsel Mm, um, because there's a lot of people that have a lot of things to say about what you should do with your life. And so I think that discernment can only happen in relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so uh, it's a lot harder to put words in somebody's mouth that you know well. They would never say that. Mm. They would never tell me to do that. If you get yeah. your Instagram hacked and somebody starts posting random True. stuff, they're like, they've been hacked. Like, yeah, yeah. And you can tell that somebody's totally tried to take a seat that wasn't there in the first place. Yeah. And so I think that there's evidence um, as we get close in relationship with God that will make it a lot easier to see when we've got all these different things coming at us that, but that's not his voice. That's not his character. So it's going to help to pave a, lo- a clearer path to move forward. I think that just emphasizes the importance of being in God's word knowing him, knowing his voice. Yeah, yeah I totally. Yeah, so we say, so we hear that a lot, like, hey, God told me. Um, but I think a similar language that we can use, um, which is what I think is like, God called me. Man, I'm like, God called me and I know. And so, you know, I think at first thought I'm like, if someone's coming in, are they like, are you calling on the phone? Like, right. is, is Lord dialing you up? Like, shooting you texts? Like, no, like, yeah, Jesus, he straight up called me. I got his number, <laughs> and, but we use that language, right? There's like, there's, there's so many different meetings. Like, what meetings. does that even mean? Yeah, like, hold up real quick. Uh, what's up, Jesus? Right. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. You know what I mean? Like, we, we can kind of communicate that sometimes when, when there's, that's actually such a powerful thing to say, like, I'm actually called by God. So Amanda, talk for a minute on, on that, kind of unpack that, that yeah, thought. Yeah, I think when I hear the word called, and a lot of people use it, we think of two different things. Like, the first thing is, when you hear called, you do think, okay, if somebody's calling you, what do they want? <laughs> and then you might think called, well, if somebody called you, what did they call you? 
And so there's two different, we use the word call and we mean two different things. Like, well, what are they calling you and what do they want you to do? And I think that that kind of paints a picture of us as Christians when we use the word call. Um, but if you've placed your faith in Jesus and you uh, are following along in this life the best you know how, there's an all call, which means that you are called to share the love and message of Jesus Christ mm. with everyone you meet every day that you live, Amen. everywhere that you go. And so, so that's so an all call or a yeah. universal general call. So if you're like, what is God's call on my life? That is God's call on your life. But there are closer to home uh, situations that will we'll say the word called, which is like, what job am I called to take? Mm. What person am I called to date? What choice am I called to make? Like that everything's just too. so profound and heavy yeah. Yeah. all of the time. And I fall into that tension of just feeling paralyzed with like blue shirt or red shirt Jesus. <laughs> like you can just make stuff yeah. like overly emphasized just because it feels spiritual. Right. And it feels like, you know, God probably has an opinion about everything that I do. But then we pick and choose when that matters. But that's a second. <laughs> that's totally something else to talk yeah. about. But I think that um, that other version of call, which is, okay, if God's calling me, what is he calling me to do? We can fall into that and get so comfortable pursuing what is it that God wants me to do? When really there's another form of call, which is who is God calling me to be? And I think that as we lean into more of the who rather than the do, that's going to actually speak into what we end up doing because we make decisions out of who we are. And so when Paul says, I am a slave of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, like called to whatever, he is speaking out of his identity, like, therefore I live like this. And so there are some places you won't go because that's not who you are. There are some people you won't date or you won't bring into close circle friendship because that's not where God has called you to be or the person he's called you to become if you were to share fellowship with them. And so this word calling, I don't think it has to be as ambiguous as it often is because calling really comes out of um, who we are. And so as we lean into what is God showing me right now? What is God teaching me in my personal life? Like those things are going to speak into what he'll ultimately ask you to do. It will be in alignment with who he's calling you to become, which is like Jesus. So can I date this person and, uh, you know, exercise the character and integrity of Jesus? Can I take this job and illuminate, uh, you know, the power of God in this workplace in an honorable way? Like there's a different way that we will filter what we do and that will be out of who we are or who mm. God has called us uh, called us um, to be. So that that's kind of like where I was fleshing out I like love call. That. Yeah. Our, our senior pastor, Pastor Todd, he's been talking a little bit about that on the weekend and how a lot of people confuse calling with profession. Right. And, right. and and we often are like wondering, you know, what's, our call, what's the calling on my life? What am I going to do with the rest of my life? What's God calling me to? And we often associate it with our job. Yeah. Um, but they're not the same, right? Like like my calling and my profession is most likely always going to be different. Yeah. And um, and that I, I love that you said like our calling is tied to who we are, right? Not necessarily what we do. Right. Um, and I think that's a really important distinction to make as we're trying to navigate what our calling is. Yeah, and I had a professor um, back in university that would always say that um, career is what you're paid to do and calling is what you're made to do. Mm -hmm. And they'll often overlap eventually because wherever you work, um, you know, Pastor Ryan a couple of weeks ago talked about like um, when Paul was on the road of Damascus, he went back, like his destination stayed the same. He still went to work, but now he had a different message. And so I think that that kind of speaks into calling like, yeah, now you have a proclamation from Jesus 
but you're still going to your families to share it. You're still going to extend it to your friends. Um, so I just, I love that point that you just made. Yeah. And I just love, so we just closed out this two week conversation on Thursday night, 730, talking about uh, the blood of Jesus. And then this past week on, on being anointed. And so it's like this idea that we're, we are anointed to do something. But I love what you said. It, like, it does flow out of the person that God is calling you to become. And so I think that's really cool. Like you're anointed to do something. God put you on this earth to, to do something for him and kind of fleshing that out. So I think that's, uh, if you haven't checked that out, go back, watch it on our YouTube channel. You won't regret it. It's going to be really great. But um, I think another thing that we say along, term, along this kind of terms is, and I say this all the time, and I'm, I've probably heard each of you say this, um, and it's just cool. Um, I'm just in a season of life right now where dot, 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 you know, and I've definitely been guilty. I was talking to someone last week and they're like, you know, Tyler, I'm just, uh, I'm just in a season right now where, you know, and it it sounds so dramatic sometimes and and kind of funny, but the truth of the matter is like we, we say that because we're trying to describe and bring some clarity to awareness of what's happening in my, in our lives. And, um, you know, I think it, if you're not in the Christian circles, you're like, maybe you probably wouldn't use that language. Um, but we see all throughout scripture, like the book of Ecclesiastes says like, you know, there's nothing new under the sun and there, there's, a, there's a time for everything and a season for everything. And so the writer of Ecclesiastes in chapter three, he like kind of identifies like 28 different season markers. There's a time for this and a time for that. And so I think of like, if the rest of creation revolves around cycles and seasons, right? Mm. Like there's a fall, oh, Thank God. Uh, maybe not in summer. <laughs> not so if really you're Floridian, <laughs> it's just hot, hotter, hottest, and way too hot to survive. Uh, that's four, right? Uh, but there, there are season changes, um, especially the, the world works that way. There's the coming of the tide and there's the going away. The moon has phases and cycles. And so I think when we look at the scripture and Jesus talking about like being aware of the season and the time, it really like is a, is a tool for us to be self-aware and say like, okay, I'm entering into a new job. This is a new season. It's uncharted territory. Hmm. Um, but let's talk for maybe a moment about some, some, some seasons that you, have, you guys have walked through that you've been like, I went from a, you know, we also say, I'm on a mountaintop. You know, I'm on a mountaintop or I'm in a valley. Other people are like, what are you talking about? What we essentially mean is like, life has been amazing. Like right. high top, I'm in, riding this wave of just like success and everything's great. And then all of a sudden I found myself at the bottom. Um, if y'all want to take a, a moment, maybe just go around and talk about like the importance in, in your life of being aware of like the season that you're in yeah. so that you can kind of be present and, and know what God wants to do in that season. Yeah, I think being aware of seasons is ultimately an attempt to try to, to, to be aware of what God is doing in mm-hmm. your life. Uh, for instance, like when I moved away from my hometown uh, at 18 years old to South Florida to go to Palm Beach Atlantic University, um, I didn't know anyone I didn't know, I'd never been here before except for one day to visit the college. Like it was complete, it was a completely new season of self-discovery, of, of trying to figure out who I was outside of this town that I had just spent 18 years in. Uh, I went through a season of ridding myself of my Southern accent and uh, I'm just, just being totally honest, I did that. And, and so this season, and I look back and I'm able to categorize that or, or, um, understand that period of time as as God was helping me to become an become an adult become a young adult completely away from what were the structures of authority in my my life back in Oklahoma versus who am I going to be now I saw it as a time of being being able to become 
the person who I was going to be. And I look back at that season of God was working in my life in a particular way, a very specific way, that after my two years of living on campus, doing the college student life, that I entered into a new season at Christ Fellowship. And so it's a way of, for me, it was it's always been a way of being able to see who is God forming me to be, who is the person that God is forming me to be in this period of time. What is he doing in this period of time? I can't like help but think of like Netflix <laughs> because like I think about a brand new show like you have to start at season one to get the context and there's not yep. any part of that story that's wasted. And so when we're talking about seasons and God's writing this ultimate story, um, I think what you said, it's so helpful to identify what is God doing in my life right now? Like what's I'm in season 26 right now of Amanda's story um, and recognizing that like none of this, this is going to be history soon. But what is God writing that's significant today? Like, what do I need to lean in? What uh, title would I put on this chapter of my life? And so I think that seasons play a, a, a unique role, actually, in centering us because COVID was a season that we can all say, like, yeah, that early March time, like that was a season where I might have felt isolated. I might have, what, and we can identify the things that were happening around us but also the stuff that God did in us. And that can work as a milestone or a place of remembrance to really see a picture of God's faithfulness clearer or God's nearness closer. Like it can help us to really hone in on a part of God that could be easily missed just in the everything. And it helps you to focus on something. So I think it can be very centering in that matter. And I just want to add, uh, this is on the top of my mind with that. Like I think I see a lot of people who, uh, late twenties or, or wherever young adults who kind of struggle to understand what's going on in their lives now. Why, why is this happening to me now? What is, uh, why am I this person now? And, and what we, what I discover in these conversations is that they kind of lack that process of self-awareness through most of their life to be able to see that, okay, I am where I am now because of this season in the past and that season and these, these parts of my life and helping people to piece together and understand their life in these seasons of God working helps them to really figure out where you are now. You can't really know where you are now until you learn how you got here. And I think as Christians, we talk about seasons a lot because it helps us to mark the path of where we're going and, and where we've been to understand how we've arrived where we are. Yeah, I love that. I also think the the term season is a form of comfort for a lot of people because really if you true. think about like you said there's seasons of of mountains and there's seasons of valleys and I think about some of the really tough seasons I've had in my life like where things were really hard or it was a season of waiting or a season of pain and um you know the term season reminded me that it wasn't the rest of forever, you know, that it wasn't for the rest of my life that it was going to be like this and that God um, has a new season for me on the other side. And, you know, seasons have to come to an end, right? Like you said, summer, spring, winter, fall, you know, this season of pain is not going to be my forever. And I do think it is a form of comfort to know that this is, this is just a season. Yeah. So what do you say to the person who does not like the season they're in? And they're struggling. And all they can think about is, I just want to get out. I just want to get out. I just want to get out. I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. It's too hard. What's your, yeah. what's your pastoral counsel to, to them in that moment? God is doing something. God is doing something. In this season you're in, no season is wasted. God's doing something. And so learn from it. Seek the Lord in this season. And, and as you said so wonderfully, it will come to an end <laughs> at some point. Yeah. 
Any of you two have anything to add on to that? Or? I think I interrupted you. I'm no, sorry. No, it was Please great. I think I think that's it. I think there's no wasted season, right? And 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 you got to know season one to understand season three, and and you really need to lean in to that. But yeah. but it's not going to be forever, right? Yeah. Unless it's The Office, and you can skip season one. So. <laughs> so Unpopular opinion, right? I agree with that. <laughs> awesome. Well, I I think this has been this has been really fun, and I, I love talking about these things because these are all things we say and I think we can all honestly get a little bit better at trying to filter who we're talking to what we're saying the language we're using um, but I think this is a fun way to kind of pick apart and kind of um, you know make fun a little bit of, of the things that we say without understanding that context is, is neat and appropriate and so I hope, I hope that this was helpful for listeners tuning in and I know we didn't hit address them all and so you know if, if there are people listening in I would love for them to you know drop it in the, the comments and maybe there's some other things we can address at another point um, but the language we use is important it communicates something it communicates the context and and uh, ultimately we want to we want to have a family environment and and uh, make sure that we're not we're not being so exclusive that we're um one just big spiritual inside joke because uh, <laughs> inside jokes are the worst. Uh, <laughs> amen. Yeah, amen. 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 Let it be. Let it be. So let it true. be. But this has been fun. Uh, let's let's do this again soon. But uh, this is all we got for today. This is all the that you can't urban dictionary this continued Christianese conversation. But uh, until next time, we love you, young adulting. We'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Young and Adulting. Don't forget to tune in Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. on our YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram at cf.youngadults. And if there's a topic you'd like to talk about, we want to hear about it. Send us an email or leave a comment with your thoughts. We'll see you next time.